The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another exciting episode of Negotiate Anything. Negotiate Anything is produced by the American Negotiation Institute. And with over 3 million downloads and listeners in over 180 countries, listeners just like you have made it the number one negotiation podcast in the world. I'm Kwame Christian, and I'm the director of the American Negotiation Institute. We're growing, and I want to introduce you to our new team members and new trainers. This will give you new and diverse perspectives on negotiation and conflict resolution. And that's why Shane Martin, our head of sales and partnerships, is going to serve as co-host of the show from time to time. We're excited to continue to provide you with the best content that will help to make your difficult conversations easier, both at work and at home. Lastly, our team conducts negotiation and conflict resolution trainings in the United States and abroad. Our trainings will give you the practical skills you need to resolve conflict, negotiate, lead, and persuade with confidence. Click the link in the description below to learn more about how we can make your difficult conversations easier. Greg, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Yeah, man. It's good to have you. So how about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure, sure. So my name is Gregory Swinton, and I am an architect slash project manager for NBBJ. NBBJ is an international architecture firm. We have 11 offices worldwide, I believe. Um, uh, and outside of that, I think a bigger reason I'm talking today, or, or inclusive of that role, is that I am also the JEDI program leader of the firm. So. And so let the listeners know about what JEDI is for those who don't know. Good question and good call out. So JEDI is a new term. There's a lot of terms for diversity, equity, and inclusion. Justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, it is that makes up the term JEDI. So as everybody knows, with the onset of like George Floyd uh, last summer, there was this big awakening internally across across the United States and also across my industry, multiple industries, but particularly in the architectural space as well. There's a lot of internal look at um, being much more intentional around DEI as it relates to our realm of influence and to be per to be honest, looking inside of ourselves. So there's a series of steps. There's a series, there's a lot of work and research done looking at diversity, equity, inclusion within our firm, within our industry, within the work that we're doing. One of the recommendations out of that is making sure that internally we also had somebody dedicated, me and several others, um, to move this forward and move the initiative forward and to gain some ground on that. So as the JEDI program leader, I am one of many on point to make sure that our firm is moving all of these things forward uh, in the right way. Fantastic. Yeah. And so we, we connected last year when, um, 
NBBJ started working with us, the American Negotiation Institute. And so for those of you who don't know who are listening, of course, yes, we do negotiation conflict resolution trainings. That is our bread and butter. But last year we started doing um, diversity, equity, and inclusion trainings focusing on how to have difficult conversations about race. So it's all about communication and connection. So it's still within the purview of what we like to do with A&I, helping people to communicate more effectively and build relationships, but in the realm of diversity, equity, and inclusion within companies. And so in this episode, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of uh, highlight some of the key learnings that um, came from some of those trainings in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space and the negotiation and conflict resolution space. I think this is great because you are one of the clients who, one of our clients who has have done both of those types of trainings. And so what Greg's going to do is highlight some of the uh, the impact of the trainings and how he's been able to use the skills practically in his role. And then we're going to transition and, and Greg is essentially going to interview me to a certain extent um, with some lingering questions. Now that you've had several trainings and we've been working together for over a year, there's still some things that even though we've touched on a lot, we ha we can't touch on any on, on everything. So then we can ad address some of those lingering questions too. So let's go ahead and start off kind of handing the ball to you, Greg. When you think about the key learnings that that you've um, you've encountered over the past year, what kind of sticks out to you? Man, there's a couple. Um, I think the first thing is just educating yourself. I think one of the bigger benefits to having you come in there is just and you, you talked about these things in tandem there's the diversity equity and inclusion as well as conflict getting educated on on these things on bias on um on how to have a conversation on the things that you need to do before you have a conversation the educational aspect of it can't be understated because essentially it's awareness it's like it's education, but it's also a lot of awareness. One of the things that I think one of the reasons why I think people appreciate having that kind of dialogue and the way I, the way you facilitate is pretty cool, too, um, is you're learning and becoming aware all at once because there's things you didn't know that you can necessarily bring to a conversation or ways you think about something. The, the amount of awareness that comes out of getting yourself educated and getting a large group of people educated has been extremely beneficial. So I use education and awareness as synonymously uh, because I, uh, that's a lot of what I observed happening in the firm, my perception. Um, outside of that awareness, specifically with regards to, I mean, with regards to the DEI and conflict management, I think we already knew this from the George Floyd experience, the importance of trying to generate um, a sustainable and meaningful plan for moving DEI efforts forward in our firm. A lot of that, there's a lot of work into just generating the, the, the actions and the things that we wanted to consider that we would consider for a plan, right? I think that amount of rigor also got pivoted into thinking about how to have a lot of these conversations around race, bias, all of these types of things. So, I mean, there's a few things that we've been, I've noticed that we've done a lot more. I think even as subgroups, we've been able to prep for conversations. So we'll pick a date, we'll circle up as a group, 
we'll talk about what what is it that we hope to have out of this conversation. Key question going into this. What do you want? What do you want? What do we want? Are we clear with what we want from them outside of this discussion? And it's funny because you think that's a that's a very simple a simple question that it's I think it takes a lot of rigor to get clear about that. So that's another thing that we've been implementing. We've educated ourselves and then just putting it into practice, building a plan, building strategy, thinking about the discussion, rehearsing it to a certain degree. Maybe not every every point, but rehearsing it and just making sure that we are clear with what we're trying to say. Um, the other thing uh, that we've been doing, and I've got my little list next to me. So if I look down, it's like I got like a whole list. I probably need to like put it like right, like right on my lap. So it's like that, that like that hesitant look down, like the other thing. Um, uh, to be honest, just having the conversation. I think after you do all that work, the biggest impact that I think that I've, uh, the most beneficial piece is having the conversation. We have people at all levels of leadership that are willing to have the conversation. Um, having the conversation around something that people aren't comfortable about, right? Like, we'll, we'll, we, will, we will say it. We will say it at the beginning of the conversation. Um, I remember one, one that I thought might have been a little bit more emotionally loaded um, than it actually was. The, the person facilitating it, she said, you know, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little nervous and anxious talking to you about this. And the other side, the the other side, the leadership was like, no, it's okay. Like, we don't, you, you know, we don't have to be nervous. But the acknowledgement of the emotion, whether or not it was perceived or reality, unloads it unloads the conversation. It unloads it unloads the pressure. And the, the conversation was one of the best that we had, like everybody left. I think I hadn't circled up with leadership, but my impression based on the conversation was they felt like it was very collaborative. I know the the other group that had the conversation, they felt like it was great. Like they, they felt like it was a very productive conversation. And in the past, I don't know that that perception's always existed on that level. Um, so just, just there's just a lot of rigor that was put into going into these conversations around um, – uh, around justice, <laughs> equity, diversity, and inclusion. And the funny thing is, like, there, there's a few things that you I noticed that you note that um, can help somebody be persuasive. And some questions that we ask us, man, I'm rambling, but I'm gonna keep going. So, so key questions is like we we always ask ourselves: Do we want to be persuasive, or do you want to be do you want to be right, or do you want to be persuasive? Do you want to be right, or do you want to be persuasive? Do you want to go in here and make a point? Or um, do we want to be able to open some channels for better communication? And we've got so many people in our firm um, that are really, really good at going into these discussions. Um, and I think they're just getting better. And so it's just a lot of the things we practice. You noted creativity. We're visual people. So the ability to use visuals to put a point out there i've found that i think that we're pretty successful at as our contract 
might have a little bit more visuals if I were to be if I were to try to translate the way you negotiate to what I've seen lends itself well to an architecture firm is uh, uh, I, I remember at one point there was a, a discussion I was sitting in where the individual wanted to share visually a point that she wanted to make. And she, she, she was able to capture pictures and the pictures were just like, whoa, we see what you're saying now. Like, oh, okay. Without trying to go into the details, the ability to use pictures and to be visually oriented, that creativity factor, I think is particularly strong in like a design oriented um, organization. So, um, and as I noted earlier, the labeling, being able to call out an emotion before you have the discussion, or if a conversation perceive, if you perceive a conversation to be trending towards, um, towards a more tense space where tense isn't bad, but if you perceive it to be just saying, man, this feels, this feels like it's getting a little tense. Like this feels like it's, it's going in a direction we're not intending it to go that's the perception is that accurate takes all of the immediately starts to take all of the tension out of it and the dialogue can become a little bit more okay and i mean i did have an example of that where i was in a discussion with several others and and it wasn't it seemed like it was really starting to go down a road and I was like, well, pause. Let's pause for a second. I feel like there's a lot of energy being built up right now. I feel like there's a lot of tension. Is that accurate? And they clarified and we talked about it. And the tone past that point shifted to more of like, okay, we're collaborating, right? I think we were collaborating back here too. But it didn't feel like it, right? Like it was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. What you trying to say? What, what are you saying? I'm like, hang on. We're saying the same thing. We want to work together to move these things forward. Um, um, and still rambling. But I also think it's important. Um, the tension isn't necessarily a bad thing because I think these conversations, it's tense because everybody's passionate about the issue that's at hand. And, that, uh, and it's good that you feel that passion. But the... Uh, Definitely uh, the calling out, the atmosphere, the frustration, just putting a name to it has helped. It helps the conversation to move forward without that being a hang up on it. So, Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe that your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to chat. These workshops are completely customizable and we've done them all around the country. Negotiation and conflict resolution skills are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. And now, back to the show. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. 
In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life, a promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. From the minds of visionaries to the desks of disruptors, I'm Laura Schmidt, host of the Redefining Work podcast. Join me each week as we explore the new world of work through the lens of those shaping it. CEOs, HR leaders, investors, and more. Be a part of the conversation that changes everything. Subscribe to Redefining Work today. Yeah, this is great. And so it, for me, as the person who is the, the leader of the training and everything, it it means a lot to to know that it's actually had some actual tangible benefits because you and the team have been able to recognize these situations where conversations have to happen, whether it's in the DEI space or more something more business related. You recognize, hey, this is a moment where we need to talk about something. And then we say, how do we go about talking about it? And so I know listeners, you've probably heard this a few times. I know Greg and the team have heard it a ton. But if you go to our website, AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash guide, you can get access to all of those guides that can help you to prepare for your difficult conversations, whether it's negotiation, conflict management, or in the, uh, the DEI space as well. And so remember what Greg said, he talked about the the, the benefit of actually taking the time to prepare and knowing how to prepare. That was something that we, we touched on numerous times over, over the trainings and just taking that time to go through the conversations more intentionally, that really helps. And one of the things that you mentioned, Greg, that's really interesting is the fact that whether it's a business situation or DEI, you're recognizing the really one of the most important aspects of these conversations is how to manage emotions effectively. It's not about hitting people over the head with data or trying to be right or rationalize or logic them to death or anything like that. It's about creating that human connection and recognizing that everybody here in these conversations, they're going to have emotions. And we're not going to be able to have a productive conversation unless we can, we have a tool in place like the Compassionate Curiosity Framework to overcome those emotions effectively. And then when everybody in the room is on the same page because they've gone through that same training, you have that that same language. You're playing from the, the same playbook. And now everybody can get in line and we can have a much more productive conversation. Right, right. The, the emotional aspect uh, is so is so key uh, because you can have data, you can have everything that says you're right, but if you're communicating it in a place where somebody is not emotionally able to receive that, you're wrong. That the, the person's just going to defend. You can say the same thing over and over again. If the person isn't in a place to emotionally receive that, they're not going to hear it. So I'm just. I'm just giving you an amen to everything you just said. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> with the time we have left, and I know we've, we've covered a lot in terms of what you and the team were able to get from the trainings. Even though we've been working together for a year, I know there's still some lingering questions. Like some of the mm-hmm. scenarios that might come up, they don't fit nicely within the, um, the, the trainings that we've addressed, right? And so yes. based on your experience now, after working with us for a year and, and continuing to have difficult conversations within the firm, what are some of the most pressing lingering questions you have? Groups. And when I say groups, 
a question I have is, uh, from my, from a lot of what we've talked about, the techniques and strategies seem to be pivoted towards one-on-one, a person talking to a person more often than not. Much of what I've encountered is small groups talking to small groups or larger groups talking to smaller groups. And it's been harder to have, facilitate and use the tools that you practice on a one-on-one scenario with groups, the group dynamics. There's different, there's, there's, there's different levels of understanding on certain topics depending on who's in the group. There's different emotional thermometers depending on who's in the group. And we've, it's not, it's, it's not, it's not a huge challenge, but it is a challenge just bringing all these groups together and still trying to have the conversation and being intentional and all the things that you do one-on-one trying to do it with a, a group here and a group here. So that would be my question for you is how do we take the tools that you've created and that you've shared all these things that you, um, you've, you've talked to us. I think on an individual basis, it's been cool to implement, but what would be your advice for making that roll smoothly within a group context? Well, let's start off with this. Let's talk about why group dynamics are so challenging. So let's think about a one-on-one interaction. And so we have a certain set of things that we can say. The other person has a certain set of things that they can say. It, they're going to filter everything through their perceptions, their history, their beliefs, and all of those things. And you can never fully anticipate what somebody's going to say. And so with everything that's said, there are thousands of contingencies based on like where people can go in the direction. So individual human interactions are endlessly complex. That's why with artificial intelligence, they still haven't fully been able to create a robot that can trick a person into believing that they are a, a, a human versus a robot. That's one of the most difficult things for AI to do. Now, that's that just gives you an idea of the endless levels of complexity of general human interaction one-on-one. Now let's add another person to that. Now let's add another person, right? Everything becomes more and more complex. And so that's why it's so difficult. And so different people might be emotional for different reasons, and they might be manifesting different emotions in that same circumstance. This person might be annoyed. This person might be frustrated because of something that happened at home with their spouse. This person might be offended. And so you can never all you can never assume that everybody is feeling the same way for the same reason. Again, adding to the levels of complexity. And so what we have to do is bring a little bit of order to this complexity. We have to find some kind of way to organize the conversation so people can more or less get on the same page and at least start moving in the in the right direction. And so this kind of will go back to what we talked about in the workshop that we did for the leaders on facilitation how to facilitate a meeting. And here's the thing, Greg, that often makes it difficult because when you think about facilitation and the skill sets that are involved with facilitating a meeting, and so that's just having a leader who is organizing the discussion in a way that makes sure that the conversation stays productive and everybody feels seen, heard, and respected throughout the process. And so the thing is that the majority of times when you need a facilitator, it's not clear that you need a facilitator. So you're going to go into a meeting where it's multiple people. And so nobody has clear authority over the situation. And so it's not clear who really should be facilitating the meeting. And so that's often difficult. 
And so when you're utilizing the skills of facilitation, you don't say, everybody, hear ye, hear ye. I am now the self-proclaimed facilitator here. You know, that no people will reject that on its face. It's like, ah, he might be good, but I have to say no because I don't like <laughs> the fact that he just You don't like me calling out that I'm the Toastmaster. Exactly. Yeah, that's I'm weird. The DJ. Right. And so people people will resist that. And so what you do is you take control by asking questions. So you slow things down, like you said you would in an individual conversation or in some of the meetings that you had before. Let's slow things down and let's take it from the top. So what are we here to accomplish today? All right, let's all get on the same page and figure out what it is that we're hoping to accomplish. What are the challenges that we're facing that make it more difficult for us to accomplish this thing? All right, so let's get on the same page of those type of things. And so you are facilitating, you are leading, but you're doing it in a respectful way so it doesn't feel as though this is a power grab, but you are leading the discussion. And so just being the person who organizes and uses their curiosity in order to organize the conversation, getting almost a democratic agreement on what the problem is, what our goal is, what the challenges are, and then facilitating the discussion around that, that alone will do wonders when it comes to how effective these group conversations are. Yeah, it's interesting. You said the facilitator, the need for a facilitator. Um, and it's 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 a little more nuanced to me than that, and I, and I would like your insight on it, um, because oftentimes I've, I've what I've found is that the these conversations historically would be one one group share the other group share and we just kind of move forward. The need for the facilitator actually just showed up at that last at the at the last engagement where we previously didn't need it, and then at some point. There was there there was facilitation that started started to happen and, and uh, somebody did step up and start to in my from my perception now that that, that did start to facilitate. Um, so I, no, I don't disagree with you. I'm just I'm I'm thinking out loud. the The one thing that I think would have served us well in that particular conversation would have been pausing. Because uh, everybody didn't necessarily get in at the same time, and somebody joined the conversation late, and I think that this is this is leaning into another challenge that I think we are going to have to start to navigate is people um, unknowingly come in with predetermined predet uh, predetermined understanding of what the conversation is, um, like they like this conversation is going to be about this. So I am going to talk about this. And there's a lot of like, well, no, 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 no. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. Uh, but there's still, so the facilitation piece to me, the benefit to that, having a clear facilitator. So learning to me would be just having a clear, clear, clear facilitator. If internally, just as a group, we would know this person, even if it's not on both sides, but this person would be facilitating that discussion. Um, and then the pause when somebody comes in mid conversation to say, "Hey, let's back up, let's go back to what this is about today. This is what we're here to talk about today," and kind of resetting. Um, that was one. That was one thing that I think caused a little bit more tension on that particular call too. Was that it, it's just and, and it's it's just hard to get everybody at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then when you do get people, 
they come in and they hear like I think they hear mid sentence and it's like oh okay I know what you're talking about but like no 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah. yeah no that happens so the first thing you typically would want to do when you're thinking just logically is say hey listen let me let this person know that they are misunderstanding the situation but the the tool that i use is a little bit more counterintuitive because if i say hey no you got it wrong no you're misunderstanding this a lot of times somebody's ego might be wrapped up into their level of understanding and so they're like whoa 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 you don't know i am right usually that's where most people begin their arguments first of all i'm right no <laughs> and that's it right and so i want to circumvent that I want to allow them to save face. I want them to feel good about themselves and uh, allow them to continue to have their dignity and self-respect going through this conversation and then with our relationship going forward, right? And so what I would say is this, I'll say, hold on one second. Let me just make sure I'm understanding you correctly. Greg, can you give me a quick synopsis on what you believe is happening here? And so what I would do is I would give them an opportunity to share their current understanding of the situation. And that gives me an, uh, an ability to pinpoint where the misunderstanding has occurred. And so then I take responsibility for it. I say, listen, Greg, I apologize. Um, I didn't do a good job of explaining this. Do you mind if I explain this one part again? I think that might help us to get on the same page. And so I'm not saying, hey, you, I'm sorry that you are too ignorant to understand me, right? I'm not going to say it's like an, like an indictment of their intelligence. I'll just yeah. say, yeah, yeah, I could have communicated that better. Let me try again. Right. And so that triggers a little bit of curiosity because they say, oh, yeah, Kwame didn't communicate that. Well, let me try to understand it again. Now we can be on the same page and we can move forward and everybody still feels good about themselves. That's excellent. That, I think the, um, the, the thing that helped that particular discussion was the was the call out on the I think we're going down a path. We're not I'm not sure we're aligned on the path we're going down. And then that created the space, the the. Um, the question that you asked, which is also leading into another question that I'd, I I want to ask you, the the curiosity, the curiosity that was in that question, opened it up for somebody to be a little bit more um, collaborative and non-defensive, like you said, like it's not an ego. I'm not trying to tell you you don't get anything. Um, I'm trying to open it up because it it, it appears that what was communicated is wasn't communicated clearly enough. So let me reset and make sure that we're all on the same page. The curiosity is a good question because there's curiosity before you get into the conversation and then curiosity when you are actually in the conversation and having some really good questions in the conversation. One observation that I've perceived is that after a series of conversations it's important to have the right question. And sometimes the questions that you have prepared as literally questions can be interpreted as, um, can be interpreted at with, uh, with a particular agenda that isn't there. It's like a question. You have a question. Uh, there's questions that I have that, I'm, that we're, we're asking and the perception from where I'm sitting at is that the question is an accusation not a question. So what would you say would be some really good questions in the conversation to ask? Like three, three questions. Yeah. Because I, I feel like we set up some good questions and I'm, I, I feel like this, some, the questions are set up good, 
but I think there could be improvement on that. So I'd want to ask you that. Yeah. So let me let me address some principles. And I know a couple of them I've shared in our trainings and uh, some of them I haven't. So the first one is oftentimes, especially when there's a potential for high emotionality in the conversation, uh, avoiding questions that start with why is a Correct. Really we don't do no why questions. Good. Yeah. Because yeah. that can sound accusatory, even if it's not meant to be. Um, the other thing is I like to give a preamble a lot of times. Be, just and that might be the lawyer in me wanting to give a disclaimer, but just like one to three sentences explaining why I'm asking this question. So I'll just say, Greg, I have a question for you. And before I ask the question, I want to explain why I'm asking this question. This, yeah. that, and the other. This is why I'm asking the question. And the question is blank. Because when you ask a question, people aren't just going to answer the question. They're also going to ask themselves, why is Greg asking me this question? Right. What is the rationale behind that? And especially if they're at a state of heightened emotionality, it makes it more likely for them to interpret malicious intent to the question, regardless of the veracity of that claim. And so I want to, as much as possible, take one to three sentences to reaffirm the relationship and clarify why I'm asking what I'm asking. So the person feels a little bit more comfortable with the question before I before I drop the question. That's great advice. Yeah, so that's one thing that is, is really powerful. And the other thing is using some question softeners. There's certain things that you can put before a question that for whatever reason, I can't, I can't explain the psychology of it, but it seems to soften the question. So one of my friends, Becky Salzman, her whole company is all about curiosity. She has a podcast, I believe it's called Curiosity Lab. Um, great podcast. And she says that simply asking, saying, out of curiosity, before asking your question, for whatever reason, makes people feel less threatened by it, right? Mm. I don't know. I can't wow. explain it why, I, but just think about it. Think about some of your conversations and try this a little bit, especially in a tough conversation. Out of curiosity, it helps people to feel a little bit more comfortable. Um, most people are not afraid of curiosity, unless you are familiar with old American adages of cats. <laughs> but other, <laughs> other than that, nobody's afraid of curiosity. It, it, that's not a threatening thing. So saying out of curiosity is another great way. And then another word, uh, preamble I like or introduction is help me to understand. And so this is a question format that would be a request for information, but it doesn't end in a question mark, but it serves the same purpose. And so help me to understand, you know, usually if people are asking for help, it's usually not a threatening type of thing. And so again, you're, you're approaching it in a non-threatening way. So help me to understand this. It's showing, hey, it's not that I'm accusing you of anything, I'm just not understanding right here, and you have the answer. So can you help me to understand this type of thing? That's really good. The, the preambles to the question, uh, it, it, it's funny. It, I, I, uh, my fiancé and I are doing premarital counseling, and that preamble, it's almost like I want to share. I'm going to share an emotion, but I want to let you know I'm just sharing an emotion not to blame you. I'm sharing an emotion because it's what I got. Yeah. The, the, it takes the it takes the the heat off of uh, what you're about to say, and I think the preamble, the out of curiosity, you know, to help me understand that 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 was that is definitely something that I think we could we could use, particularly me. I could institute more as these conversations progress. And one thing that you indirectly talk to that I think is a benefit is knowing when the best time is to have a conversation 
and making sure that what's happening around the time frame, like it's probably not good to have a conversation with somebody when they are under under a lot of they're they're trying to hit a whole bunch of deadlines all at the same time and then you're going to squeak in a conversation so they're coming in high intensity high stress there's a whole lot going on and we got to have this conversation so just the timing that's one other that's another learning that i've uh that i've 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 kind of learned retroactively it's like at one point in time this conversation over here is easier and then over here it's like whoa there's a lot of energy over here and then when you take a step back and look at the context of everything else that's happening around that time frame you take a step back oh man i'm not sure that was the best time to even have that discussion um now oftentimes you can't avoid that like the conversation will need to happen and it's just just being much more aware of everything that's happening on this is going back to the curiosity right what is happening before to, to the other person like what are to the other people involved what else is happening around the context of this discussion that i need to be aware of so that i can approach it more sensitively there can be more preambles there's just a there's an intentionality around the conversation knowing knowing everything else that's happening right there's just something else the extra it's like you're in the red zone so to speak with, with, with football like where are we at where are we at are we is this a kickoff conversation or is this a red zone conversation are we red zone fourth quarter okay okay i know how to game plan for this conversation so that's a that's not a question it's a learning <laughs> that's great no man i'm glad I'm, I'm just glad that everything is practical that's that's always what we want to do with the, the trainings because a lot of these trainings regardless of whether it's a negotiation or conflict resolution training whether it's a, a training in the dei type of space a lot of times they're very theoretical and sometimes you might even listen to it and agree and then you step out of the training you're like and now what <laughs> oh, right. What do I do? Especially in the DEI space, um, they, they what they found when they actually do studies on the efficacy of DEI trainings, a lot of times it doesn't help or it makes things worse because now people are more afraid to interact with each other. So that's why our Absolutely. angle is all about effective communication and co like connection, creating connection through communication and giving people the tools. So the, the fact that you and the team are, are using it effectively that that means everything to us so we appreciate that right right man well we we appreciate you it's been it's been a journey that we're just starting and a, and a lot of it we're, we're still we're still learning um we've been we've been trying to be very honest internally uh we've we've got uh, we've got a group of uh advisory advisors and ambassadors working to roll out a lot of these initiatives and aspirations and direction and um is that we, we're, we're still new to this right you know there's there's a lot the rehearsing the practicing and even when we do our group calls just to like hey you guys go off one-on-one -on -one and talk like this has been it's been extremely beneficial and it's also a benefit that everybody um leadership leadership and otherwise we're all like we're all like okay like I think we we're coming to the conversation with a shared understanding at different levels, but enough to where I, I heard one comment where they're like, "Oh, I think you just quamied me." And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, that's great. That is great." 
Uh, I was like, well, well played. So, um, man, it's 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 fun, and I'm looking forward to learning, learning, learning more. Appreciate it, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, thank you, and um, me too. I'm looking forward to continuing to work with you and your team. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.